That divide is there between cultural and Christian First Nations people. I love that there's still respect between the two and that they can coexist. It's not that I am unaware of the two realms. This is my attempt at amalgamation. That's William Prince, award-winning country music star from Pegwis First Station, Treaty 1 Territory, Manitoba. He's our guest on this episode of the Akamema Podcast. Danse, Tawao, and welcome to the Akamema Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Belgard, National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. Akamemuk is a Plains Cree word for, you all persevere, or in other words, let's keep going and don't give up. On this podcast, we discuss the leading issues facing First Nations peoples with top experts, with elders, and community leaders. And our guest today needs very little introduction. And there's something in your kiss leaves me so helpless. You leave me breathless. William Prince reached near the top of the Billboard charts back in 2018 with the single Breathless from his debut album Earthly Days. And even with this pandemic, Prince has not slowed down since. The Juno Award winning country star has just released his second album of 2020. Up there on Gospel First Nation. The highway feels like salvation. Gospel First Nation comes out just months after the critically acclaimed Reliever album. And as its name suggests, Gospel First Nations draws on the music of his Christian upbringing and his First Nation roots. So Mr. William Prince, welcome to our Akamemuk podcast. Oh, what an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me, Chief. All right. Well, William, you're a fast-rising country music star, and a gospel album may not seem like the next obvious step in your career. So why did you do it? Why now? You know, I was considering all the things that we're currently experiencing right now, and it uh, it's quite reminiscent of a time um, when I was playing music for my community in a state of of grief, truthfully, you know, there's a lot to be observed right now. And that's the change in this uh, pandemic that we're living through. And with that, you know, the thing that felt appropriate when I was wishing to put out more music, people were saying, do more songs. And I was trying to think of what's, what's appropriate to say right now. What's, what's the thing that can offer the most help to the people and Inspired by a, a Mother's Day live stream where Peg was First Nation was on lockdown, so I couldn't visit, we couldn't be together, and I dedicated a few gospel songs to her because that was primarily the music uh, she and my dad would have been listening to, the music I grew up on, the very music that has laid the foundation for my knowledge and my own songs. And so I, I, I didn't want to put out a gospel record 10 albums from now as an answer to what haven't I done. I want to do it right now while, well, number one, people I think are in need um, of something, of the good news. Uh, gospel is defined as the good news. And so to end this uh, very challenging year on a, on a note of hope like that mm -hmm. would be uh, something I wanted to contribute to 2020. And it's all just inspired by my, my community, my, my foundation in music. Awesome. So it's all about the hope and inspiration. 
and that's a good message to, to bring forward in uh, not, not only now, but today, but into the future. Um, you know, the title track of your gospel, First Nation, is, is about your community of Fisher Bay. Jesus just might live down in Fisher Bay Blending in amongst the boats and line When it comes the winter, nobody seeks the Savior anyhow He could just hide out Tell us about Fisher Bay and uh, how did uh, that give you inspiration for the song? Well, my home community of Pegwas First Nation is connected to Fisher Bay. Um, if you drive the highway, you'll, you'll make your way through Fisher River Cree Nation. And then eventually when the road runs out, you'll find your, yourself in Fisher Bay, Manitoba, a place that has a, a few houses and this old yearly youth Bible camp that my my younger sister would have attended and many children from the reserve would have attended in a, a summer break uh, kind of setting where you'd go canoeing on the water and um, you'd sleep in these cabins and such and uh, the, the only, uh, <laughs> I guess the asterisk was it, you're going to learn about Jesus while you're here as well. You know, it's a summer that's camp the, with a Jesus twist. Yes, exactly. I, I, I've never attended but I know a lot of uh, family and friends that have and uh, my connection to the the spot was it was always like I say the farthest place you could drive and in my younger life when I was waiting to get started on a career to medicine and university there was a lot of time where I was waiting and um, the best thing I, I wasn't really a part of sports anymore and I, I wasn't um, I wasn't very fun or cool, and so I would just drive around and listen to music. And Fisher Bay was often the contemplative point of reflection where my dad and I would go park and look out over the vast Lake Winnipeg and share in all life's interesting things. It was a great spot. It means a lot. So, William, your father has passed away, but he wrote one of the songs on the album called This One I Know. As I walk through this world and its trials I was weak from the sin and distress There I was in total denial As I searched for that heaven of rest. Tell us about that song, and how much of an inspiration was your father in creating this album? It's been five years now since he passed, um, and I, I, I think of, you know, my musical journey, I owe a lot to, I guess, his musical knowledge. Like, what a lucky thing that was that he would have a liking for music, play an instrument, coming from the background that that he's come from. Uh, and that, that would have come from the church and playing for, you know, his grandfather and, and being in service at his young age. And anyway, it just kind of lent itself that a lot of the things I, I learned about music came from my dad and my family. And so... Um, he is ever present, you know, every time I sing, every time I, I write something new and there's a, a success on a, a stage somewhere or every review or any excitement about the records I do, I owe very much to the, the solid foundation of family that I have. And that's, 
that's a unique thing in the First Nations community. You know, I wasn't plagued by a household that was suffering from alcoholism and uncertainty and mm -hmm. wondering where your, you know, times are very lean for us at times. But, you know, I, I don't think we, we had to miss a dinner. And I, I, I think back to that, we lived in a house with no water, but at least we were all together. And at least in my formative years, I, I didn't have to be kept awake by all night social gatherings. Instead, I was kept awake by my parents bringing home people from the church and continuing service at our kitchen table. So mm. I, I recognized that as great privilege, which led to my eventual career in university. And I eventually just had to follow my heart and, and do music full time. And now it's led me to where we are now, fulfilled and feeling like your career is in ascension right now. And with that, with that power, with that response, there comes a responsibility and that is to lift up the stories and those vulnerable in a community. Honestly, um, it's a thing that I'm just acquiring and learning, you know, it still adds a bit of quiver to my voice when I speak of my history and, uh, I'm learning and I'm, I'm thankful to be surrounded by passionate, knowledgeable advocates of, of the great cause and yourself included. Well, thanks for that, William. And uh, you know, on your on your gospel uh, songs on the album, it's a very special album. Um, do you have favorites? Anything speaks out to you, jump out at you? In terms of laying down a track that can bring a little extra sense of joy, it is it is something to hear my dad's song performed on. You know, all the all the major radio in different places in the states, and you know, he's been gone for five years now, and. He wasn't very, um, it wasn't a celebrated thing. We were a traveling, preaching family for some time. And he'd humbly present these albums that he made, that we made. I played all the instruments on them for the most part. And to, to now have an album of this quality, where I get to work with some of the finest people making music in both Nashville and Winnipeg and... That's Scott Nolan, my producer and collaborator, and an incredible cast of musicians that continue to lift me up. Um, hearing my dad's song finally amplified and having him be a real SoCan writer now. And uh, that there's a great sense of pride in that, that his song lives on. And so this one I know, the song that he wrote on that about the the eventual arrival at an afterlife and if the creator, the Lord, the universe looks in this book and says, yes, I recognize this face and this name because his heart was good while he was alive. So mm. it's a, it's a story drawing on that and it's a favorite right now, I'd say, but, uh, I'm trying to make timeless music from album to album. That is an honest representation of who I am and what I'm living through during that time. That's very powerful. That statement, this one, I know, um, uh, this next question uh, and, and you know how First Nations people, we've gone through the genocide of the residential schools and the colonization oppression of the Indian Act. And, there, and a lot of our people still, like the traditionalists, you know, the people that follow, that use Sundance and Sweat Lodge and all that. And some people feel that the Christianity or the churches were used like it was a, a complicated tool, you know, in terms of colonization. And, and how do you find balance, you know, with that? Because that's still very much alive in a lot of our territories. And does this album say anything about that relationship between the church and then our roots as First Nations people 
and uh, you know because I go across Canada to a lot of different First Nations and and people use both ways when people go to church and they go to ceremony and then you see a lot of priests starting to use sweet grass in the churches too now and blending of both and how have you managed to to to, to find that balance and does this album say anything about that relationship you know the the album started as a collection of songs and as it grew and i realized that i would have to answer for these songs um that's when i started to realize that this is the opening of a dialogue where we do discuss the church and its history as a tool of assimilation and colonization the i i say I released uh, an artist statement video where I address a lot of these things. I, I speak on the fact that the very belief in a Lord and Savior and the professing of this gospel music is the partial success of a big plan to extinguish Indian identity. And I recognize that. Mm. And I feel those things as well as I become more educated and I see that Sunday school songs were put in place to begin your training and that there is now a bar to hold yourself to according to the new arrivals, you know? Mm. And from that, we've established this meter for shame and guilt and what you're may or may not be living up to. And from that came the influence of, I guess, all those things that, that eventually the, the settler would have brought over. And that's the message included. Mm -hmm. And from that, I'm, I'm trying to extract the portion of nostalgia that is pulling me through this time that we're living through. I can attest to its joy and its sincerity. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that my, my dad and mom are respectful and believe in First Nations culture. Mm -hmm. I am just as much the grandson of Edward Sr., my dad's grandfather, one of the founding ministers of the Peguis Reserve and the Prince Memorial Chapel, mm -hmm. as I am Chief Peguis, mm -hmm. who founded the very reserve that the church sits on. So. It's not that I am unaware of the two realms. This is my attempt at amalgamation hmm. with proper representation, honest conversation about both. Mm -hmm. And from that, I've now found that, yes, there are a lot of other First Nations people my age even who would have been going to service with their grandmas. Mm -hmm. Just because your grandma goes to church, it doesn't make her any less of a First Nations person. I thought perhaps that's where I was falling short and I was different and would be teased. And, you know, I, I originally came from a, a white community and moved to Peguis at a young age and had to be kind of accepted later on. I didn't grow up with cousins. I, I had to be initiated to the community in a way. Mm. And it was an even more of a sore thumb that, oh, that's that kid that goes to church. And so my, <laughs> my dear cousin who I love and is, you know, is, is cultural and practices all the ceremony, mm -hmm. uh, we would have playful ribbing on each other in our younger life. And it was always this relationship of respect and that still exists even though yeah. that divide is there between cultural and first or now christian first nations people yeah i love that there's still respect between the two and that they can coexist and that's a you know that's a great representation of how it should be mm -hmm. and just in general 
Yeah, exactly. That's a respect and coexistence of both the systems. I remember a lot of the elders, and I've been to a lot of ceremonies right across Canada and different regions, and I've been to church services as well. And and uh, a lot of the elders would say it this way, that the Creator uh, gave uh, our, our non-Jewish relatives the Bible way, and it's a good way. And then they'd say, uh, we also, the Creator gave us a certain way, and it's a good way. And one way is not above the other. They both connect to the Creator. You know, and that's a, that's a good way to find that respect, that balance, and the coexistence of both, and whatever feeds your spirit feeds your soul. Of course. That's beautiful, you know, and that's the, that's the concept around the idea of higher power, the, the many truths that First Nations people can believe in, you know. Pardon me flexing my introductory knowledge, but I'm excited and driven by that. It's kind of activating in me this this gene of, of, you know, now that I have a voice and a platform, it's becoming less intimidating to share these things. And it's in sharing time and reading about Buffy and her journey and mm-hmm. just knowing that we do more service by not attacking those around us with these things, but simply inviting people to hear this, these messages and why they, they're important conversations. So Gospel First Nation is representative of so many communities that practice Christianity and will have churches and have small congregations. And so this is very much Little Saskatchewan Reserve. This is very much Fairford and Thompson and, you know, the, the Flying Dust Reserve and mm-hmm. near Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, yep. where Bob Norman would have lived. Yeah, yeah. And one of the writers of a song on this record I just put out. Yes, my life is like a story. I was searching this world for fame In a world of wine and whiskey But it only brought me shame And there he is, another First Nations man connecting to a relationship with God that went on to serve and this song is now part of my life. So that's that's a beautiful coexistence awesome. to have. So you've been involved now in music industry for a while. Um, what advice would you give to young First Nations musicians hoping to get into the music industry? Yes, the age-old question, the, <laughs> the hopeful unfurling of the magic secret or the antidote or the, the number of steps. And, um, How to get the, the genie is, out of the bottle, yeah? Like, what yeah, are the magic you know, steps? <laughs> this is moonshine of your life in a way, you know, the right chemistries and all those things. Um, you know, I, I, I always go back to the craft comes first, and that's what should be the focus. You know, I understand that's harder now with everything being public, and it's easier than ever to hit a button and be alive and be public with your, with your art. And for a long time, I was a, a young person also eager to share things and had... 50 webcam videos on YouTube, but they didn't quite represent who I was and my full potential just yet. Mm -hmm. But it's an invaluable learning experience. And so, like in life, protect your heart in a way. Protect your art um, until it's ready to be shared. I'd, I'd say aligning yourselves with the resources that are available to you, such as you know, the um, indigenous music program, Manitoba music, for example, and and these various things that can kind of align you and put you on a path like 
you know, it's not like the, so you want to be a star, you know, <laughs> and, and it's very much the work you put into these things. So the advice I'd, I'd have for any musician really is, is to at first reflect upon the art itself and what you're saying, mm -hmm. be true to that. You know, the great Winston Whatney once told me that if you just stay dedicated to what you're doing, it'll eventually become, you know, I'm paraphrasing all that you are in a way. Mm -hmm. And, um, the concept of 10,000 hours, are you familiar with that? Where we put our, our 10,000 hours into a craft or thing before we actually know what it is and if we're good at it. So, um, when it comes to writing, when it comes to playing, you know, these things should be like muscle memory. And it's because it's a thing that exists there where you wake up and it's like, I'm drawn to, I want to play. I want to improve. There was a time when I had to write it on a piece of paper and said, you will, you'll play for 90 minutes every day. At least you'll sing like you're doing a show every day mm -hmm. and don't just practice to practice, practice to get better. If you align yourself and set your intention, and that's with all things, because all things come back to how people are going to perceive you. And that's business, that's law school, that's university, that's keeping employment. Mm -hmm. And so from that, people will take you as serious as you take yourself. And so that's being impeccable with our word. That's uh, how you project online. Are you moody and emotional this day is this social media platform a channel for me to share my life and my music or do i want to look in on just sharing my music and keeping the focus there because life is ongoing and it's always going to happen mm -hmm. and the artist will speak about it through the art and so all those things are looked at i i know there's the horror stories of the music industry and um I've always tried to live authentically in hopes of surrounding myself in the same kind of people. And that's what I have now. It's a, it's a small team that keeps everything afloat and I like it that way. And it's, uh, not to designate them as less impactful than big. I don't know if I'd ever want to be a, a fish swimming in the, the grand ocean of Sony and those big things. There's, the record deal shouldn't be the end goal. Fulfillment should be the goal with your music. And when you believe in that enough, when it starts becoming everything you are, everything you speak about, think about, when you're constantly collecting footage in your mind and can't wait to take it apart later when you have a moment, mm -hmm. that's when you're getting to the good stuff. And stay at it. Stay dedicated and it'll eventually become your life. And... It's, it's, it's not always easy. Um, money shouldn't be the definition of success, nor should notoriety. You think of the greats, think of like Tom Waits, think of anybody who struggled and worked through things and weren't quite perceived all the way <laughs> in their time. You know, that, that is good advice uh, to young anybody. Just really uh, get into the craft, get into the music, and let that drive you, and let that be your focus and, uh, uh, going forward. And uh, the, the big deals will come, but be true to your, your craft. Just be true to yourself and your music. Historical, you know, reflect upon the pioneers of what you're doing. I, all my listening these days is truthfully retroactive. I go back and I listen to the foundations of folk music and where 
fellow keepers of the faith, brothers of the highway, sisters of the highway, whatever you want to sum it up to, but other people that do this all the time and real writers who are there working hard at it, because I've seen it and I try to practice it, but I can guarantee that there are people that work out there very hard every day on what they're doing to contribute to the culture of great music, Americana, North Americana, whatever you want to call it, whatever your lane of music is, mm -hmm. think of yourself as a contributor and how you can add to the culture of that. And that's by exploring those who have come before you. I listen to more Buffy St. Marie than ever right now, more Neil Young than ever. And from that, I'm, I'm finding where I belong. And truthfully, I don't feel as outside and outcast as I, I once was, you know, think of, there was once a man named Willie Dunn, mm -hmm. who was a great baritone folk singer. Look at that, Willie Thrasher and Willie Mitchell. There were a couple of folk singing Williams out there before I came along. So humble yourself. Mm -hmm. And from that, I think you will invite uh, great perspective. And from that will come great art, which will ultimately reach people. And it'll be undeniable. It'll be unstoppable. You know, when you're good at something, you'll tell everybody. But when you're great... I can promise you that they'll tell you. That's awesome. What a great message. And this kind of leads good. My, uh, my, my last uh, question to you, William, you know, in light of COVID-19, this pandemic, in light of all the challenges facing First Nations people in Canada, from uh, the Mi'kmaq fisheries issues to the systemic racism and the policing justice system to the healthcare system, everything that we're enduring, what provides you hope? What helps you sleep at night as, as William Prince? Well, uh, it's easy to draw on the fact that um, my hope always has always come from the same source, and that's my son, my partner, mm -hmm. um, my inspiring family that I get to be with here. My, um, my son learned to ride a bike this year. That's one of the highlights of 2020. My nieces are learning piano. My sister is still attending school and working in a hospital on the front line. My brother-in-law grows in his business aspirations. My mom is still loving and one of the greatest people that I could know. And I see now I'm hopeful in the fact that there are young people out there who are more fired up than ever to document injustice, call it out, and that this, this old way is dead. This old way of ignorance and letting things lie just because they have and can is no longer what we're going to take and stand for. I'm happy and excited for the future of developing conversations. Hope is a switch in the occupants in the White House. And hope is seeing that Black Lives Matter continues to gain legitimacy and that our own struggles here, um, I find hope in all the voices I surround myself with who are brave and are inspiring me to speak on this thing, on these issues, I should say. And... The Pegwas First Nation uh, gives me hope and mm -hmm. hoping that we can continue to work on our issues as a community and can grow and that all these things that continue to oppress First Nations people, that lateral, viren, lateral violence, internal frustrations, that this is exactly what they want from us. They want inner fighting, inner squabbling and questioning of our morale and our metal and everything that we are historically and going forward. And so I'm given hope by the speakers who are not allowing that to happen. And I'm hopeful in that we're going to return to 
a new phase of normal, hopefully less entitled and with perspective of what is important. That's our family and that's our health. And hopefully that gives a shift. And the memes are no longer about how many millions a certain CEO makes every day, but instead we're, we're looking to inspire each other. And um, hmm. I want there to be a shift and it's a change is going to come. And it's now closer we are closer to that revolution than ever. And that's by getting educated. Um, that's by speaking on these things and just listening truthfully. Mm -hmm. I know it's a lot. There's a lot of pressure on young people to change the world. And I used to think young men, 18 and, but that's, that's us in our thirties, me changing tide and seeing the power in my own voice. And I say that humbly in the sake that I, I hope to continue sharing these things as my knowledge grows and mm -hmm. what an honor to have uh, this conversation with you mm -hmm. and to be considered amongst the cloth that belongs to this podcast speaking on these things i've been listening to the episodes leading up to this and those episodes mm -hmm. and and this documentation gives me hope so family and all those good things more music to come we will get through this. This too shall pass, if you believe. <laughs> and, uh, wow. Yeah. Well, William, thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, uh, you're an awesome guest on this podcast, and I want to thank you so much for allowing uh, uh, your spirit to shine, your light to shine, and thank you for your, your great gift to not only First Nations people, but all of Canada and, and the world through your music. It's uh, very powerful, so I just want to thank you again. Oh, thank you, Chief, for having me, and... Uh, you know, sending my best um, to you and yours and everybody listening uh, out there. Thank you for taking the time and, and having me. And I want to thank all the people for listening to the Alchemy podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Give us a rating and tell your friends about us on social media. And as always, we want to give a big shout out to the Red Dog Singers of the Treaty 4 Territory in Southern Saskatchewan for providing our theme music. Until next time, I'm Perry Belgard, National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations. Fisher Bay, Manitoba.